Good morning, saints. Good morning, sinners. It's a blessed thing to know our position before a Lord and Savior who is full of grace and truth. Very good. Let's try that again. Full of <laughs> we love babies, people placing membership, and baptisms. Amen? Amen? So every time someone is baptized, we buy them a Bible and we write notes in there to remind them that they're in a family of saints who love them. So, Miss Hazel, would you please come up and get your Bible? You're welcome. <laughs> well, we continue on with our sermon series this morning, the parables of Jesus. The kingdom of heaven is like, is the title to our sermon this morning. The kingdom of heaven is like, Jesus says, the spontaneity growth of a seed. The kingdom of heaven is, is like the growth of a mustard seed. The kingdom of heaven is like the contagion of leaven. This morning, please open your Bibles to Mark chapter 4 and let your fingers run down to verse 26. Again, I want to encourage you to be students of the Bible. And if you have a Bible, take it out. If you've got a phone with a Bible on it, take it out. And if you don't have a Bible, we have some at the back on a table, and we'd love for you to pick that up and make it yours. Before we get started this morning in our sermon, I, I want to call your attention to an article in the bulletin. If you're a regular member here, please read that article before you leave or before Sunday is over. All right, Mark chapter 4, verse 26, the spontaneous growth of a seed. George Arthur Buttrick said that this, this kingdom... It is full. This kingdom has, has many points to it. This metaphor of a kingdom has all types of value. George said, the kingdom of heaven is always arriving. The kingdom of heaven of God is already present. Christ said, for behold, the kingdom of God is in your midst. The kingdom of God is possessed. Christ tells us on the Sermon on the Mount, He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In the Greek, that's in the third person singular present indicative. I had to look that up to see what that meant. What that means is that they have it now and they will continue to have it. They possess it, the poor in spirit. Those are not filled with themselves, but are filled with God and God's will. They possess the kingdom now, and they will continue to go on and possess the kingdom. The kingdom of God must be sought after. Jesus tells us to seek the kingdom of heaven, and the rest of our life will be made full, will be fulfilled. You will have righteousness and all those spiritual blessings that come with it, Mary, will come if we'll just seek the kingdom of God. 
it must be entered into with a childlike spirit. Christ says, Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter at all. If we're going to enter into the kingdom of heaven, we have to enter in, Lewis, with a, a little bit of wonder. We've got to enter in, Heather, with a, 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 with a heart of submissiveness like a child. And then the great theologian K.W. Castleman <laughs> says, Now, but not yet. Now, but not yet. The kingdom of heaven is now. We participate in it. We let it rule and reign over our hearts, over our decisions. The kingdom of heaven is within us and, and is in our midst now. But it is not fully recognized, Matt, until Christ comes back. And then, then the kingdom will be made complete. Amen? Amen. All right, let's start with our scripture reading. Mark 4, 26 through 29. And he was saying, The kingdom of God is like a man who casts seed upon the soil, and he goes to bed at night and gets up by day, and the seed sprouts and it grows. How? He himself does not know. The soil produces crops by itself. First the blade, then the head, then mature grain in the head. By then the crop, when the crop permits, he immediately puts in the sickle, and because the harvest has come. How many of you this morning are, are gardeners? Puts out a garden, knows, knows how to raise a garden. <coughs> raise your hand, let me see you. All right. So here's a seed for you and a seed for you. Anybody else raise their hands? Here you go. Pass one over to Janelle. Yes, sir. We've got a true botanist in the back of the room on the back pew. And his son takes great pride in growing good peppers. Anybody else this morning who knows about farming and raising? There we go, Don. Now, at the end of this little talk here, I'll expect a fully grown almond tree. Every spring, my grandfather would plow the garden, and then we would till it with a tiller that was like trying to hold back a wildcat. If you've ever had a homemade or a little gas tiller, you know what I'm talking about. And we would prepare the soil and get it all laid out, and it would take hours upon hours just to prep the soil. And then we would put the seeds in. And then we, we might even sprinkle the soil just a little bit to make sure that it was moist if it hadn't rained that spring like my grandfather thought it should. And I would wake up in the morning as a little feller, and I would look out my window right outside my bed at the garden to see if I could see anything. And of course, the first day or two, you don't see anything. But then, suddenly, you see a sprout. And when it sprouts up, when it's just little, Mary, it's just a little tiny thing, right? And you can't really tell the corn from the green beans. 
You don't know what any of that really is. It just starts to sprout up. And then before long, that corn comes into a blade. And then, David, you can really tell what, what fruit is going to produce and what's the weeds, right? And then it's not very long until that matures. And after a while, an ear of corn is made. And I have no idea how that really happens. I just know it does happen that God causes growth. But then I know this, Mary, I can take two, two ears of corn and I can dry that corn and then I can scrape off that corn off that ear and next year I'll have enough for the whole garden again. Just from two ears of corn. And the rest of it, well the rest of it we devour that great sweet corn and it fulfills us and sustains us. You see, this parable is, is a story of Christ and how Christ implants himself on the earth and for redemption of man. And he literally is placed in the earth and then he matures as the savior of the world. And we have a harvest of saints, and that grows and spreads beyond our dreams in a kingdom that will last forever. At first, most did not recognize him. He was just like all the other little boys in Galilee. John 1.11 tells us, he came to his own, but his own does not recognize him. But then he began to grow up into a blade and people began to recognize who he was. And then he had followers and they were, they were numbered in the dozens, not the thousands or the hundreds, but the dozens to beginning. And then it grew and he matured and he came into the full glory, the glory of the Father. And then his seeds fell, didn't they? And they witnessed to all of Jerusalem and then to Judea. And then they went across what is known as Turkey today, Asia Minor then. And then across Greece and then across Rome. And to the entire world this kingdom spread from this little seed that God causes to grow. And though it was prophesied about... And though it was even recorded for us to read, we really don't understand, do we, how that growth was made possible from such a small beginning. This story is also about how one saint can be implanted into a community. And at first, saints look just like everyone else, and it's hard to tell them apart. But then as under stress maturity, as you see how they act differently under stress, how they love unconditionally, people begin to wonder about this seed and, and how it's moving in and around them. And before long, more people follow and it becomes a family. And then it becomes a community and then it becomes a church of saints following him. The church grows and it matures and it produces fruit and then that fruit falls in other fields. 
and it begins to grow again and replicates itself until it has moved across this entire known world. Paul tells the Corinthians, I planted the seed in your hearts, and Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. It is God who makes the church grow, the kingdom grow. This is the story of how the word, and I mean Christ, is implanted into you. Usually, most people, Hazel, don't even recognize when it happens, but it happens. And it starts to change you, and something starts to change inside of you, and you begin to mature, and you begin to grow. Yes, the seed of word is implanted into you, and we water it, and we try to keep the weeds from growing, and we try to make sure it's got the right fertilization, the right knowledge, the right understanding, but it's God who makes it grow. Now, how about those that I just gave that seed to? How you doing? Can anybody hand me a tree? Could you hand me a tree this afternoon? This evening? How about I'll wait, I'll be patient tomorrow morning. It doesn't work like that, does it? No, the way it works is God causes it to grow in His own good time. And I remind you of this because we get frustrated sometimes, don't we? That things don't move along as fast as we want them to. But it's because we've forgotten. God gives the growth. God is the one who works in people's hearts. We simply plant and water and pray. And then God gives the increase. Amen? Our next... And he said, how shall I picture the kingdom of God? Or by what parable shall we present it? It's like a mustard seed, which when sown upon the soil, though it is smaller than all the seeds that are upon the soil, yet when it is sown, it grows up and it becomes larger than all the garden plants and forms the large branches so that the birds of the air can nest under its shade. Christ most likely turns and sees somebody's mustard seed plant outside the gates in somebody's property. You see, the mustard seed is not actually the smallest seed in the world, but it is the smallest seed in the herbal world compared to the size of a tree that grows. You see, this little bitty tiny seed that you see pictured here grows into a bush that by some people's, it's a tree. And this, this mustard tree is so large that it, and produces so much fruit 
the birds are known to come and nest in it, and hundreds, thousands of birds can be fed out of one of these mustard seeds. And that's what Christ wants you to understand about the kingdom of God and how it grows. Again, this is the story of Christ coming into the world. So tiny a start, almost insignificant how he is born into the world. His bassinet would, for him, be a manger. No one would be paying attention. But then this small kingdom would grow until it's larger and larger, until it has more influence on the world than any man-made kingdom has ever had. Amen? And the world would come to nest in his limbs, in his arms, in his branches, in his peace, his easy yoke of grace and forgiveness, the suffering, the downtrodden, the outcast, the disenfranchised, those the world would, would deem the least of them. All these will come to rest in his security, in the shade of his perfection. Amen? Next is the parable of the leaven. And again he said, To what shall I compare the kingdom of God? It is like leaven, for which a woman took and hid in three pecks of flour until it was all leavened. Sorry, I made a jump there in Scripture. That's Luke 13, 20 through 21, if you want to read that. I, I want to apologize. Many of you have been misled. And you've been told that your mama makes the best bread. <laughs> that Mary Maestri makes the best rolls. That Mama Z's has the freshest bread in town. That that Harp's Martha Rolls are the best you could put in your mouth, I'm sorry to tell you that's wrong. My grandmother made the best rolls in the world. See, she would, she would take the dough on Saturday for Sunday, to make it for Sunday morning, and she would, she would put flour and water, and her recipe called for an egg, and she would mix that all up together, and then she would put secret things in there. I don't know what they were, but that made it awesome. But if you, if you took a little bit of that dough and you popped it in your mouth, well, hmm, not, not great, okay? Edible, but not great. And then she would start kneading it with this little package of yeast, and she would knead it into the dough. Now in old times, they didn't have packages of yeast that you went down at the Jerusalem Walmart and picked up. They had leaven. Leaven really was just fermented bread. And they always kept a little fermented bread around to keep the fermentation going. And when you put that fermentation in, when you put that yeast in the bread, it begins to work on the entire lump of dough. And she would roll these little balls up into threes and put them into the muffin pan. 
And you could sit and stare and watch those, kind of like the garden outside, and you couldn't see anything happening. But if you just walk out of the room for a minute, Lehman, and then come back in, a little later, they would begin to rise. And come back a little later, David, and they would be a little more. And before you know it, they'd almost be spilling out of those little muffin holes. And then she would slip it into the oven and begin to bake it, and that yeast would go crazy in the heat. And that little thing would rise up and ooze over the side and make some of the most delicious bread. It would be totally different than that ooey-gooey stuff that I tasted in the beginning. It would be wonderful, and it would smell marvelous. And this is the contagion of the leaven that Christ is trying to tell you about. This is the story of how Christ came into the world and changed it forever. This is the story of how one saint enters into a community of the lost and changes the entire community. But most of all, I believe this is the story of how the Spirit of God moves into you and changes you from the inside out. We see the word that is Christ being spoken to us. And then according to John 16 and 8, the Spirit convicts our hearts. And then we try to do our best to repent. And then we put on Christ. And then the Spirit of God moves in us and begins to change us. Begins to change the way that we look at the world. Begins to change how we treat one another. Actually grabs hold of my thoughts and my actions and my behavior and my thought processes on how I will respond to other people and to things in my life and starts maturing me and working through me until suddenly I'm transformed into a different person than I was before. And that person is much better than the person I started as. I love C.S. Lewis at the beginning or at the end of his book, um, Mere Christianity. He says, we ought not look at people and how they are as Christians compared to other people. We ought to look at Christians on how they would be without Christ. Because some are naturally good people, have nice personalities that we like, and some don't. But when Christ gets hold of them, those ones that are really ornery, sorry people, we need to look at them and see how changed they are. And we need to look at those people that were okay to begin with and see how wonderful they are. When the leaven has completely moved through them and worked wonders in their lives. Romans 12 and 2 says, And do not be conformed to this world, but listen, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. See, no matter where we started, this leaven is working on us. The spirit that is inside us is changing us to be totally something new. It transforms Keith from his old sorry self into his better self. 
And Anna's hoping it even gets better. That was funny. You could laugh. <laughs> Ephesians, Paul tells the Ephesians, since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from Him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, instead let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Now when I say righteous, don't see self-righteous. That's not what it says. And when you see holy, don't think holier than thou. No, it's a changing to make you righteous. So where you're doing right. And holy, don't see holy as better than thou, holiness, okay? What he's talking about holiness, he's saying that you're different. That you're set apart, you look different, you act different, you talk different. Your heart is different towards others. You're a lover of people because you have this unconditional love for everyone around you that's based upon how you're loved by God. He tells the Corinthians, by means that anyone belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, the new life begun. This morning, are you living in that new life? Are you that new creation? Or are you just living like you've always lived and you haven't let that leaven, that Holy Spirit, move you and change you? The fourth thing I want you to see about the leaven is it is contagious. It moves through the entire loaf. Kent, once you start the leaven, once there's just a teeny tiny part of the yeast that's introduced into the lump, you can't stop it. It's going to move through the entire leaven and completely change you. Augustine of Hippo in 400 A.D. says, Leaven works by contagion. Until the whole is leavened, so does the kingdom of God. One loving heart sets another on fire. If we are who we claim to be, we can't help but be spiritually contagious. Do you believe that? If we are who we say we are, we can't help but be spiritually contagious and set other people on fire for Christ. And I believe that it systematically, methodically is working its way through all of our land, all of our earth. I looked at a growth chart the other day of Christianity in the world. And you know what? Every year it increases. Every year there are more Christians. Yes, the center of Christianity has moved around, right? Went from Jerusalem, moved over to Turkey, then to Rome, then it moved in into Egypt and into Europe. And then the center moved to America. The center of Christianity is always moving around, but it continues to increase year after year after year. Because why? Because the leaven, brothers and sisters, continually 
works through the entire loaf until it is all leaven. Three takeaways for this sermon, and then the sermon is yours. Remember, it's not ours. It is ours to plant, to water, and to do what we can, but growth comes from God. Amen? Let's remember that, not get frustrated when people don't grow in Christ as quickly as we wish them to. And can I tell you that age has very little to do with it, okay? I know people who are older who are not very mature. And I know some very young people who are extremely mature in Christ. And I get upset when they don't act like they should And I probably have a whole lot of people who get upset with me because I'm not moving along spiritually like they want me to. We need to remember it's God who changes people, not us. We just plant the seed and we let it work. And it does. And don't be afraid of the mystery of it all. Just know God's at work. Number two, never, ever, never, never underestimate the ability of the small Scripture tells us that God has the ability to do far more than we ask or imagine. Don't underestimate that little cup of water that you give in His name. That little thing that you do in His name. That little kindness. That little word of encouragement. That little spark that you set off by giving someone a hug and just telling them you love them. Don't ever underestimate what the possibilities are in Christ with the little because he says kingdom of heaven is like a little bitty tiny mustard seed right and look what it's grown into already let the leaven do its work don't fight it let the leaven do its work let the Holy Spirit guide you when you have good thoughts carry them out When you read Scripture and think, oh, that's me, let it change you. When you see something that needs to be done for the good of the Lord, do it. Because the leaven will work through the entire loaf. It changes everything. This morning, if you haven't put on Christ, if you're not in the community of saints yet. Won't you do that? Won't you put him on? Won't you become part of this kingdom that I believe, I know, will soon take over the entire universe when your Lord Jesus returns? Let's pray and then we'll sing a song. Dear Heavenly Lord, there are people here today that need to let the leaven move through their lives who need to be leavened to others who need to plant a seed, who need to grow your kingdom, who need to mature in you. We ask, Lord, that you make us the people that you want us to be. Help us to be who we need to be. Grow us, no matter how painful that is, no matter how much we don't like it. Help us to be the people you want, to be self-sacrificing, loving, kind, people for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.